lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget, if you're looking for samples of this show, that you can view and then share with others. Go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Coming up next hour, our Monday town hall topic is a question that we're going to ask you. To mask or not to mask? That is the question. That debate blew up on social media over the weekend and I typically avoid whatever is the trendy debate on social media for two reasons. One, it's often dumb. And then two, even if it's not, it's far more often misinformed, meaning a bunch of people debating an issue we don't actually have reliable information or facts on yet. So I tend to avoid that and just do my own thing and comment on what I'm interested in and let the Twitterverse do its own bandwagon jumping. But this I decided to enter into the fray because it's something that I think we're seeing more of a trend of. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing more masks demanded as we reopen across the country. I think a lot of this is driven by private industry, afraid of frivolous lawsuits. Hey, you got me infected when you reopened. You just you didn't disinfect enough, et cetera. And so the question we're going to ask you next hour at 888-900-3393, are you willing to mask to get pretty much all of your country back? 888-900-3393. That's coming up next hour with the Monday Town Hall. Coming up this first hour, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. And you may or may not be aware that uh, that Bob and I play a, a, a basically insignificant role in the Iowa caucus process here in the first in the nation caucus state every few years. And I've got my eye on somebody early in the process. Like, really early. Like, we're not even to the 2020 election, and I'm already looking ahead to 2024. I'm going to lay this out for Bob coming up later on in the show and let him respond. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were locked down. What happened while we were locked down? Brought to you by Georgia's Experiment in Human Sacrifice. That was the title of an April 29th op-ed in The Atlantic, one of many publications and pundits, along with President Trump, who blasted the state of Georgia for ending its lockdowns too soon. On Saturday, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp announced that the state had marked its lowest number of Wuhan coronavirus hospitalizations since April 8th. In coronavirus updates from around the world, a woman in Australia had her child ripped from her arms for breaking and protesting lockdown laws. In Berlin, Germany, many hundreds gathered to protest that country's lockdown policies. Same thing in Switzerland and Slovenia as well. 
Back stateside, the San Antonio, Texas City Council late last week voted on a resolution which labels terms like Chinese virus and Kung flu virus as hate speech. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban hired secret shoppers to visit hundreds of Dallas restaurants and businesses to find out if they were following reopening guidelines properly. His team found that nearly all were not. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker said Sunday his restrictions for that state will be needed until they're able to quote-unquote eradicate the virus. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, it's a virus. San Jose, California Police Chief Eddie Garcia has had enough. Well, the first reaction to this is incredibly frustrating. Uh, you know, since this began, it seems like the goalposts are not just moving for our community, but for law enforcement. Uh, since day one, these orders have been ridiculously difficult to enforce. But now, I don't understand. I don't know how any police chief uh, in this county can look at their community in the face and say, while people are being released out of jails on zero bail, serious criminals, that now we're going to stop people from holding signs, driving around, and wishing individuals happy birthdays or happy graduations. I, I, I don't understand. I certainly can't look at my community credibly and tell them that. So, A new study from a California organization called the Wellbeing Trust shows as many as 75,000 people could die from deaths of despair brought about by the uncertainty caused by mass joblessness and insecurity from the widespread lockdowns. Uh, whatever. Uh, Washington Post columnist Sally Quinn is writing a romance novel. She told CNN what her inspiration for a paramour in her story was. My, my main character in the first novel was the First Lady. She, in the second novel, is widowed. And I was looking for the perfect person for her to have an affair with. I was seated at the pension building dinner, which is this huge dinner uh, hall in Washington where there are a lot of black tie dinners. I was seated next to Tony Fauci. We just hit it off immediately. And I just thought, wow, this guy, I thought he was really sexy. So after the dinner, after the dinner, everybody left the table. He and I were still locked in conversation. And on the way home, I said to my husband, Ben Bradley, um, you know, I found the guy. I found the perfect person for her to have an affair with. Washington Post headline, the pandemic has reminded us we don't need more sports in our lives. We need less. Facebook has introduced its oversight board empowered with taking down posts deemed fake news or misinformation. The board is made up of several members, including Pamela Carlin of Stanford Law. You may remember this gem from her appearance during House impeachment hearings last year. So while the president can name his son Baron, he can't make him a Baron. Also on the board, some guy named Alan Rusbridger, who's openly called for President Trump's briefings to be taken off the air and is rooted for his removal from office. A gal named Afia Asar Kai, who sits on the board of George Soros's Open Society Initiative. Jamal Green, who's fantasized about President Trump being shot. And those are just a few of the members of Facebook's new Thought Police. Everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? Newly unsealed documents related to the probe of former National Security Advisor and the newly exonerated Mike Flynn seem to suggest former President Barack Obama knew about and was involved with the targeting of Flynn and other incoming White House officials. 
Speaking of the Obamas and ahead of Mother's Day, Michelle Obama said having kids was a quote-unquote concession that cost her her professional aspirations. She made these comments in a new Netflix documentary on her life. If I was going to have an equal voice with this very opinionated man, I had to get myself up. I had to set myself off to a place where I was confident that I was going to be his equal. The thing that really changed it was the birth of our children. I wasn't really ready for that. That really made it harder. Something had to give. And it was my aspirations and dreams. I made that concession, not because he said, you have to quit your job, but it felt like I can't do all of this. So I have to tone down my aspirations. I have to dial it back. And finally, the Mother's Day interview that we really need. Well, um, at the moment, the law is um, that a typical baby can be aborted up to um, 24 weeks. And then a baby with Down syndrome can be aborted up to full term. And as a with Down syndrome, I find it deeply offensive. And it makes me really upset and cry. How did you find out that Heidi was going to be born with Down syndrome? So um, when I was pregnant with Heidi 24 years ago, you only had a 12-week blood test and a scan at 20 weeks. Um, I refused the blood test because I knew that I wouldn't... Um, terminate my pregnancies. I've used it with all my four children. Um, about two weeks before she was born, I had a dream that I was going to have a child with Down syndrome. And yes, that was really scary and because everything's um, unknown and you don't know what you're going to face. When Heidi was born, I could see straight away that she had Down syndrome. We, very thankfully, had amazing midwives and doctors who treated us with respect, treated Heidi with respect. Um, yes, we really, really struggled with the news, um, but very soon we realised that Heidi um, was actually just, another, just a baby that we needed to love and care for. We brought her up exactly the same way as we had her, have her siblings, and um, after herself, her siblings are her best advocates. And that's what happened while we were away. I don't know the last time. I mean, wow. I, I don't know the last time I've seen two pieces of video back to back that <laughs> that just better encapsulated, summarized what's going on in the West. I mean, those two videos, that's the spirit of the age was the first. Western civilization was the second. And you can see that it's, it's going to be very difficult to find a way for those two radically different belief systems to inhabit the, the same space. It's going to be very difficult. 
Aaron's Montage brought to you by a new partner here on the Steve Day Show, Gabby Insurance. We're all looking for ways uh, to save money, especially now. So when's the last time you looked at how much you're spending every month on car insurance or homeowner's insurance? Now's the time to check out Gabby and see about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage that you already have. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples-to-apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers like Progressive Nationwide and Travelers. They just link your current insurance count in about two minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact coverage you currently have. Gabby customers save $825 a year on average. So if they can't find you savings, they'll let you know so you can relax knowing you've already got the best rate that's out there. It's totally free to check your rate and there's no obligation. Takes just two minutes right now to see how much you can save on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash Dace. That's Gabby.com. G-A-B-I is how it's spelled. Gabby.com slash Dace. That's Gabby.com slash Dace. Folks, I want to I want us to put a bookmark here on this date, May 11th. Because I think today is the day we have come now to the turning of the tide. I think I think this was the day that virtually the entire lockdown narrative collapsed. And I don't even know where to begin with everything that has come out in these last 24 to 36 hours. Let's start with something that I have up on my Facebook page right now, facebook.com slash Steve Dace. I have it pinned to the top of my Twitter account right now, at Steve Dace Show. We're going to break this down further tomorrow during fake news or not. But it is a 12-minute expose from the BBC. Drop-kicking Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, for believing Imperial College and locking the country down. You guys, have you guys seen this? Yeah. I, I can't stop watching it. Part of it is, to quote Hannibal from one of my favorite shows as a child, The A-Team, I love it when a plan comes together, right? I forgive me. I'm male, and I, I, I enjoy being proven right. <laughs> All right, but <laughs> they come hard at him. They've lined up counter experts who can't believe they even believed Imperial College to begin with. Oh. Aghast. They go after him for buying into mainstream media and social media hysteria and panic. They even start talking about there's going to be more deaths on the back end of this from the lockdown than there was because of the virus. This, folks, is the BBC, where Pierce Morgan works, and he's considered one of their more conservative and reasonable personas on the air. Sky News was created to essentially be the Fox News of the UK in response to the BBC. I mean, they mentioned Sweden. I mean, it's a 12-minute summation of the last two months of this program. And it's also, by the way, 
It's a feature they could have done on March 11th. Just amazeballs, Steve. Yes. Amazeballs. They could have done this exact same story with all the same people because we've told you from the beginning what blew me away more than anything researching this is I really believed it was going to be the conservative flat earth society versus the entire credentialed scientific expert crowd, you know, like with global warming, for example. And it, I was amazed that it's not been that, that there have been a litany. We have given you all these names, a litany of experts all along who called BS on this. And there are several of them in this, in this expose from the BBC. And I'm telling you, I promise you they had all these exact same opinions on March 11th. But it's time now for the pivot. It's time for the pivot. And the pivot is to now blame the conservative prime minister, albeit conservative has a, has a, <laughs> a very watered down meeting in the Tory party over there in the UK. Basically, he's Mitt Romney for Brexit. That's essentially what Boris Johnson is, Mitt Romney for Brexit. And we've come now to the great pivot. It's an inflection point. It's a tipping point where the BBC, with its chief, its chief healthcare correspondent, who opens it up by saying, I remember those Imperial College surveys telling us that swine flu was going to kill 50, thousands of people. And it ended up only being a few hundred. You mean they didn't know that Imperial College was wrong about H1N1 over at the BBC until 48 hours ago? They didn't know it on March 10th. They didn't know it on March 9th. They didn't know it on March 15th when the Imperial College model came out. They knew that. But the pivot, the lockdown narrative is collapsing. Switzerland announced today basically reopening the entire country. Even told the old people, you too. They said anybody has, has, a, has, a, has a, a pre or comorbidity, pre-existing condition, you continue practice, practicing social distancing. The rest of the country, have a nice life. They're even going to open the borders up and take tourists. Sweden's death numbers are collapsing. France is reopening schools. That was announced right before we went on the air. You know, we've talked about how densely populated New York City is. You know, Tokyo is more densely populated than New York City. Why didn't it get destroyed by coronavirus? They finally released the, uh, the results of the Major League Baseball serology study they did of all the players. Did you guys see this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they, 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 they wanted to reach all 10,000 players, but it was volunteer only. You have to do the pinprick at home and send it in. 5,600 responded. Only 0.7 had antibodies. Oh, that's bad news, Steve. It's not when you consider that almost nobody was infected. Almost nobody was. Did you guys see that? Yeah. There were almost no infections. Almost none. Why wouldn't there be a whole bunch of infections? Well, these are men in the prime of their lives getting world-class healthcare and preventative healthcare on, on, on a daily basis, especially at the time that we were concerned about. 
Because where were every one of these players all of February and March until they shut down spring training? Where were they? Arizona and Florida. Arizona and Florida, outdoors in the sun, getting their vitamin D, working out, getting the best preventative health care you could possibly imagine. They were not sequestered in their homes, touching infected surfaces for weeks on end, weakening their own immune systems uh, with, 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 with essentially self-sterilizations. Because again, unless you're in a nursing home and over 70, this is, this is, the flu is worse for you. Now, if you're over those, if you're, if you're in those two groups, it's worse for you. Guess what there's not going to be too many of at a spring training facility? People over 70 in a nursing home. Why have we been sending our elderly to Arizona and Florida for, for, for decades when they have when they're older and have respiratory problems, why do we send them there? Because it's better for their health. Serology studies of the Arizona general population of the Ohio population over the weekend, far higher infection rate. Far more antibodies, which means a lower case fatality rate. Governor Mike DeWine, the appropriately named. He was, he was probably the first virtue signaling governor of them all. You guys remember? Mm-hmm. We, could, we couldn't play the uh, preliminary rounds of the NSA tournament in Dayton, his state. Panic. Remember? All, he, he essentially was like leading the virtue signaling charge. He announced on Saturday, went out and bought his season tickets for Ohio State football this fall. <laughs> Did you guys see that? I did no. not see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The jig is up, folks. The lockdown narrative has collapsed. Wait until we show you what's going on in Georgia. Remember Brian Kemp? He was supposed to be a death merchant. I'm going to send him some underwear as a gift. I'm going to buy it like XXL and I'm going to put a note on it. I bought him bigger for your balls. I mean, the president said he was reckless. His own president undermining him from his own party. On top of the media, wait until we show you these numbers here in a few minutes. The entire lockdown narrative has collapsed. So not smoldering ash then? No. Again. Not not, not smoldering ash again. Again. Yeah. More and more sheriffs, more and more cities saying we're not enforcing this anymore. We're out. We're done. I think I think today is the turning of the tide. And we're going to look back. Just like Aaron you said, "Hey, I knew when they canceled the NSA tournament." Oh bleep, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I think today is when we're going to flip it the other way. And we're going to look at when the BBC essentially did a better version of the Steve Day show to come after the Tory prime minister. They have a by the way, they have a parliamentary system there. They can have an election at any point. They can have an election next month. They can lose confidence in their parliamentary government and force an election. And don't think the BBC coming after the Tory PM. Yeah, you make sure he gets out of Korea. Make sure you remember he had he was in the hospital for coronavirus, right? So you make sure now he's back. He's doing TV. He did a big he did a big thing last week. Boris Johnson did. We I, we've saved all your lives, and they countered that with one with his own healthcare expert, his own Dr. Fauci. Saying, you know, if we keep this under 20,000 deaths, 
we would have done a very good job. And now they're over 30,000 in the UK. The guy over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now, they're getting ready to do this to him soon. They will do this to him soon if he doesn't get back to MAGA. As more and more states and more and more communities defy this, we had a UFC event over the weekend. We even had a we even had a fighter test positive. They Dana White's like I'm doing it anyway. I don't think he was wearing a mask. Did he wear a mask? Didn't see Joe Rogan wearing a mask in the in the ring. Did you see when he was interviewing people? See Joe Rogan wearing no. a mask? Nope. And he like did the original interview on this about how we need to be worried. And Michael Osterholm was there that I had to listen to. And there's Joe Rogan sitting there. He's not wearing a mask. The lockdown narrative is finished. Done. And so this is now just a question of when the guy over there in the corner office, in the Oval Office, recovers his manly parts before he wakes up one morning or turns on and sees his boy Joe Scarborough doing to him what BBC's doing to Boris Johnson right now. Because that's a coming. It is coming. They got to hit a guy. They got to hit a magic number first. They got to tag and bag as many bodies out of the nursing homes as they can. They got to get to 100K. That's a magic number. Everybody remember that. We got to get to 100,000 deaths so we can pin that on Trump. And then once we do that, so read a story of the weekend, Debbie Burks suddenly feels betrayed by the healthcare system and models she's been a slave to. Claiming they are they they are exaggerating their deaths by a factor of twenty five. You don't say. You don't say. Well, who was who who allowed them to do it, Deb? You did. You started the policy that said anybody that dies with COVID nineteen, no matter the actual cause or the pre or comorbidity, we're counting it as COVID nineteen. You opened this door. These are your friends, Deb, your peers, and they're knifing you now. And they're going to put you on the hook, Deb, for the worst public health care crisis in, Amer- in modern American history. They're going to put you on the hook, Deb, you and Trump, for 100,000 deaths because you allowed yourself to get enslaved to their models. You did it. Hopefully you wake up or are waking up to that fact as we speak. And so are you, Mr. President. Because after they're done tagging and bagging you with 100,000 deaths at the nursing homes they didn't protect... Because Andrew Cuomo instead told the hospital, said, hey, if the hospitals discharge him, you have to take back COVID patients. You have to take them back. How many thousands of deaths do you think that caused in New York? That decision. That's the worst decision that's been made in this entire calamitous scam. Exceeded only maybe by the fact that they didn't start daily sanitation of the MTA in New York City until April 29th. April 29th is when they started daily sanitation of the mass transit system in the subways of New York City. There's closing the barn door after the horse left. And then there's like closing the barn door after the barn has burnt to the ground. And so, Mr. President, after they're done tagging and bagging them, stacking up those bodies nice and high, and then sticking you with 100K deaths... And listen, they got to get a nice round number because Joe Biden's memory ain't what it once was. And it's just easier to remember 100,000. If it's like 106 or 119, a nice round number. Easy for Joe to repeat 
You can have intercourse with that number. You can have intercourse with that number. Thank you, Todd. Yes. Okay. So after they give Joe his talking point, 100,000 deaths on Donald Trump's watch, wait, you're going to feel like Linda freaking Blair when they do that to you and it becomes 30 million unemployed on Donald Trump's watch. You know what the number one trending topic on Friday morning was? Oh, yes. Please, by all means, do tell Mr. McIntyre. Hashtag Trump depression. Is anybody, anybody awake at the White House? Yesterday, they sent two economic advisors out to do the Sunday morning shows. One of them says you can't have your country back until we can contact trace 331 million people. This isn't AIDS where you just remember everybody you had sex with. You're going to remember everybody you breathed around, everybody you touched a a surface around. And then the other guy, Mnuchin, goes out there and says, hey, if these states don't open up, we're risking permanent economic damage. What which message is it then? We can't do anything until we can contact trace every 331 million people with a respiratory virus. Or we need to open up now or we're permanently doomed. Who the hell's running the show over there? Better figure it out quick. Better figure it out quick. I got three little letters for you if you don't. B, B, C. Watch what they're doing to Boris Johnson right now. And over at CNN and MSNBC and everywhere else, they're going to be doing it to you here soon. Soon. Find your balls. Get off your ass. Start MAGA-ing now. And on that note, when we come back, Georgia, what happened? Is it smoldering ash like Wisconsin wasn't? We will soon find out. Stay tuned. So in addition to their generous support of Mercury One, our friends over at Patriot Mobile have gone above and beyond to help Americans stay in touch with loved ones during this difficult time by lowering their prices even further. Right now, their U.S.-based team is standing by to design your customized family plan at Patriot Mobile, starting as low as $25 a month. Patriot Mobile shares your values. They'll never charge you hidden fees. And unlike Big Mobile, they won't send your hard-earned money to Planned Parenthood or other leftist causes. So you're you're going to get the same reliable nationwide service and support, though, from a company that shares your values, supports our Constitution, and puts people before profits. So switching is easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or even buy a new one right now. When you join their family of freedom-loving Americans, they'll even waive your activation plus a free gift. So their lowest rates ever. They'll waive the activation and send you a free gift. Never been a better time to take advantage of Patriot Mobile. 972-PATRIOT is the number. That's 972-PATRIOT. Or visit patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Let's welcome in our good friend, Bob Vanderplatz from right here in the Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing good. And, you know, there's a few members of our audience that may be loosely aware of a mostly insignificant role you and I have been known to play during the Iowa caucus, uh, first in the nation, Iowa caucus presidential sure. process here, right? We're just, you know, footnotes in a, in a grander scheme, right? So with that in mind, I've got a new baseline. 
I know we're not even to the 2020 election yet. But 2024 has started. It has, it ha- yes. It, it, there's no doubt it has yeah, yeah, started. It, it has, yes. Um, and I've got a new baseline. All right. You have to be better than Brian Kemp. Or the answer is no. And it doesn't matter if we were friends. This isn't, I'm like Nick Nolte in 48 hours. We ain't partners, we ain't brothers, and we ain't friends. All right. I thought I was good friends with Mike Huckabee too, but I didn't think he was the best candidate last time, so I didn't support him. All right. This is strictly business for me. And the business is who's going to help me keep my way of life? That's the deal. That's the transaction I'm looking for. All right. And so I'm going to explain to our audience here why Brian Kemp is the new baseline for me. He's, he, he's the, he's the anti you got to pay to even belly up to the table. If you want my support, you got to be able to at least reach this threshold. Let's take a look at Georgia. Shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. So first some context. Georgia is more densely populated than Texas. It's also more densely populated than three of the primary virus hotspots, Washington, Louisiana, and Michigan. 16 days ago, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp became the national poster child for reopening, mainly out of harsh criticism. He was trashed as a death merchant by Democrat media. He was undermined as reckless by President Trump on consecutive days. Well, the data is now in. After a full 14-day viral incubation period, as Brian Kemp, the Grim Reaper. Saturday, Georgia had its fewest hospitalizations since April 8th, and its lowest need for ventilators since the pandemic began. It still has almost 2,000 of them available, just collecting moths. Now, recall the original rationale for the shutdowns was to save the healthcare system from being overrun. The Bill Gates IHME model that Fauci and Burks have enslaved this country to predicted on April 27th that Georgia shouldn't reopen until June 28th. It originally predicted back in March that Georgia was going to need 8,196 hospital beds on April 23rd. That's the day before Governor Kemp opened. The actual number of those hospitalized on that date was 4,154. And more than half of those were just in Fulton County. That's Atlanta. Georgia has 159 counties. The IHME model also originally predicted that April 21st would be Georgia's peak death day with 137 deaths from coronavirus on that day. 24 people actually ended up dying of COVID-19 that day instead. 50 people die of heart disease per day in Georgia every year, according to CDC. And again, lest anyone continue using this as an excuse, the IHME model was factoring ideal social distancing achieved by May 31st into its original modeling. Kemp didn't even announce a shelter in place in Georgia until April 2nd, after IHME's original model was published. This virus, in my opinion, is the defining political moment of this era. It's bigger than even 9-11. It has forced everyone to show their true colors and true motivations. For better or for worse, we now know where everyone really stands. Or doesn't. I don't know Brian Kemp. Here's what I do know. He and a few other governors had the stones to call BS on maybe the worst management decision ever. And he did it with even the president of his own party throwing him under the bus. From the White House... Feeding the frenzy. 
when looking for future prospects to represent us, I'm going to be looking first at who did what and when with this calamitous and moronic shutdown. Who needed prodding? Whose instincts told them to be skeptical? Who panicked and who didn't? Who was timid? Who was prudently bold? Because if you didn't stand up here, you can't be counted on to defend my way of life with the next crisis conjured up by the spirit of the age. I have no idea if Brian Kent plans on running for president in 2024, but if he does, when he comes to my native first to the nation caucus state, I'm definitely going to take the time to get to know him. He's the baseline. I didn't have to send him any calls, any texts. I don't even know the guy. I've never met him. Don't know anything. All I know is he and his team have been on the vanguard of treating this with prudence instead of panic. Your thoughts, Bob? Well, first of all, I think exceptionally well said. Uh, I know Brian Kemp just a little bit. Was introduced to him at a um, at a leadership conference that I was speaking at, and that he spoke at as well. I was impressed with him then. Uh, he was a surprise victor in the state of Georgia. Uh, he's been an, an adamant Trump defender. Uh, he is basically a drain the swamp candidate. A new sheriff is in town, and so what really showed me, Steve, is when President Trump called him reckless. I remember that when President Trump came out to the press briefing and basically said, you know, I strongly disagree with Brian Kemp's actions here. And he still went about his business and doing it. That really gave oxygen to what I was talking about earlier is that I believe President Trump needs to be in front of the governors versus the governors being out in front of the president on reopening this economy. There's a lot of governors. There's a lot of people that want to reopen their states who are thankful for Brian Kemp because they're they're trying to look at this data just like you're looking at the data. This gives me rationale. Let's open up. But the key is is that Brian Kemp has been the leader in this. He's been I think what you I think it's wise words. He's been prudent and he's been bold and he's been courageous, keeping the best interests of Georgians at heart. I think you're seeing that in Kim Reynolds as well. Probably not as bold as Brian Kemp, but also very bold here in our own state of Iowa. So I think you're right. This will be a baseline for a lot of candidates. And the governors are going to have a leg up. There's no doubt about it. Why? Because they had leadership decisions to make. Where if you're in the Senate or in the Congress, what are you doing? You're passing out the largest bailouts, basically, in the United States. They they are the largest bailouts in United States history. Bob, help me to understand. I know you talked with the vice president on Friday, right? I did, yeah. Good. Help me to understand what in the Sam Hill is going on over there at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I mean, they sent out two economic advisors yesterday, Bob, and one of them said, you can't have America back until we can contact trace 331 million people, not with you know a sexually transmitted disease or Ebola or mad cow, but a, but a widespread... High and highly infectious airborne virus. That's not how, how is that even possible? Number it's one, it's not possible. We'll be in, we'll be in lockdown forever. Yes, if that's the case. Then the, but then Mnuchin, who's not necessarily Mr. Ballsy, let's be honest about sure. that. He's then goes out there and says, if these governors don't reopen the country right now, I mean, we're going to risk permanent economic damage. You know, so Man- what, what's the message? Mnuchin might not be the most courageous guy in the room, but he does understand data, and so when he's looking at data, going, listen, listen, guys. You will put a death knell into this economy if you continue doing this. I think what Vice President Pence did, I told you about that a little bit earlier before the show, 
he came to Iowa, came to Iowa with one of the staff members, uh, tested positive for COVID-19, delayed the trip. So it was, everything's late, about an hour or so. But he still Not came. Not the vice president, one of the staff yeah, members. Yeah, one of the staff right. So the vice president, though, was really reiterating the message, we need to reopen up this uh, this country. And one of the ways to reopen is reopen the church. Why Why would the church play a big hand in this? Because people trust the local pastor's voice. If you open up First Baptist, they start thinking, you know, it's okay to go to Menards, okay to go to Lowe's. When the church takes off the mask, America will take off the mask. When the church starts greeting with handshakes and hugs again, Americans will start embracing one another again. That's how important the church is. Then he went to Hy-Vee and talked about the food supply, a grocery chain here. Talked about the food supply. Everything was on reopening. When most of the th- the press was throwing him under the bus for keeping these meetings in Iowa, we needed a, a key staff member test positive of COVID. So I believe what Pence is saying, we need to reopen the country. Trump even saying, you know, we're going to get rid of the coronavirus task force. Remember that last week? Yep. We're gonna, but now it's going to continue indefinitely, but it's going to be on reopening the country. So I do think they have a mixed message, especially after yesterday coming out of the White House. But I believe the message has got to be reopen the country and we can walk and chew gum at the same time. One of the things that I'm frustrated the most by is I can't believe I have to sit here and urge Donald Trump to claim victory. The whole rationale, I mean, the vice president, this is his task force, he's in charge of it. And the whole rationale on March the 16th was to do what? Was to flatten the curve to avoid the healthcare system from being overrun. That they they can why not just return back to their original messaging and have the president give an, an address from the Oval Office? We flatten the curve. We might have been too successful. Now we got some rural hospitals closing. We've got healthcare layoffs. It's you know what the curve is flattened. We've we've saved the system from being overrun and uh, yeah, we, uh, time to MAGA. Why, that, why not that, do that? No, that's what I was going to say. Is that the healthcare system is not overrun? I can see the the danger in that, but the healthcare system is not overrun. Matter of fact, we're putting them on furlough. So therefore, why not get things back together? Why not claim victory? I agree with that. But now we're going to start reopening America. And we're going to do it in a diligent, wise way. But we're going to let people feel safe again, that you can get out of your homes and you can go back to business. My concern, and I said this to our audience last week, it doesn't really matter what your position was on Donald Trump in 2016 right now. The reality is, if you're any kind of conservative, your fate at this point is, is intertwined to some degree with his politically. Well, sure. There's is. just no way of avoiding that. that. That's simply the reality of the situation. When the you situation. look at the other option. Yeah, that's the reality of it. Doesn't mean I'm telling everybody you have to go out and vote for him. But politically, if he fails, it's going to make a lot of things that we believe in and believe before he showed up more difficult to achieve. Because you're going to get saddled with that, right? Just like we got saddled with George W. Oh, Bush sure. and his 21% approval rating, etc. Here's my frustration. Yesterday, the BBC came out with a long televised expose going hard at Boris Johnson for believing Imperial College, for doing these lockdowns, for keeping them going too long, and that it didn't it didn't keep us under 20,000 deaths, like his health minister, his Anthony Fauci yep. said it was going. They, I mean, they took a machete to him in and this And this is the BBC. Yes, which is the, 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 the smarter MSNBC, basically, okay? MSNBC, but they're, they're, they're smarter and they have really cool, really cool accents, all right? This is, if I'm concerned, we're gonna get saddled with this pivot here. They're gonna get their 100,000 deaths. 
So they can, that's a number Joe Biden can remember. Yeah. Okay. A hundred thousand people died under Trump. And then like that whiplash, now it's suddenly about 30 million unemployed and Donald Trump overreacted. I'm concerned that if he doesn't get out in front of this, the exact same thing that the BBC is doing to Boris Johnson right now, that's going to be done here. Well, I think this is a key messaging to Donald Trump right now. You have to show leadership right now. You cannot have Brian Kemp, Kim Reynolds, other governors basically outflanking you and say, we're leading faster than you are. You need to get out. And this is your wheelhouse, the economy. And again, he knows it full well. You look at the private enterprises he's in, that he's in, he knows full well what this is doing to those things. Why not say we're claiming victory? The healthcare system wasn't overrun. We'll continue to protect the fragile and the elderly, those things. But we're getting after this. We're opening up the store for business again. What A week from now, I haven't asked you to do this very often because we've been in so many uncharted waters for the last couple of months. A week from now, what do you think you and I are talking about where this is concerned? Next Monday. I really hope it's a messaging of he is showing some bold leadership to reopen the, the economy. Uh, everybody's saying it. I mean, this isn't just now your conservative friends saying it. This is your liberal friends. This is whoever your friends are saying, we need to get back to a form of business and reality in this country. And again, it may be, you know, that you're not going to dine in, but maybe you're going on a patio to, to have, a, but have an option that we can go back to real life, back to business. I hope he is out leading this because the message that the dual message that was sent yesterday is a conflicting message that his administration cannot survive. Having both messages like that. Mnuchin is right. The vice president is right. I'd say you better lock in on that message. And maybe it's time he take the bully pulpit back right now that he does that press briefing, not the, the new press secretary, but let him do that press briefing again. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you. All right. You guys have any thoughts on uh, the conversation Bob and I just had? I I think one thing Kemp may have done is just admitted he was wrong about something. Do you remember a month ago when he was caught with his pants down, and I don't know why, but he didn't know that it was asymptomatically uh, uh, asymptomatic asymptomatic spread? spread? Yeah. At some point, I think he was like a lot of us. We go into a doctor's office with our kids. We kind of, we know some things about something, but we, okay, doctor, tell me what to think. But at some point, they're your kids. You you, you take over for and lead. And I think Brian Kump just said, I, I, I've just kind of been patient and trusting the experts right now. And you set me up for that. Hell no. And he just became a grown man. And I don't think that's something Donald Trump is prepared to do. And that he has been seduced. He's in a New York state of mind. And it's not apparent that he's capable of being pulled out of it in the way you guys are talking about that he needs to. I think the key there, Todd, is who is he listening to? That's the bigger question. Who's in his ear? Who's he listening to? Do they really have his best interests in mind? And if they have his best interests in mind, they're going to have America's best interests in mind. But my question is, who is he actually listening to? If, the, if he hasn't figured out right now that uh, the experts have their own agenda and they are in serious CYA mode, if he does not understand that, he shouldn't be president of the United States. Figure it out by now. It's apparent to everyone. We'll be back with hour two. We're going to open up the phone lines. It'll be your turn, our Monday town hall. To mask or not to mask? How far are you willing to go with masks to get back to normalcy? We'll have that conversation at 888-900-3393. When we return, the floor is yours. Stay tuned.
And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. If you do listen to the podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, we would be very, very grateful. Please keep those coming because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. Thank you to the thousands of you that have left us five-star reviews already. This portion of the show brought to you by Home Title Lock. When life is in chaos, as it is now for too many of us, your home is your safe haven, your most important asset, but do you really own it? Don't be so sure. Imagine getting evicted for non-payment of a loan you never took out. It happened to Deborah, and it's happening everywhere. It's called home title theft, and the FBI calls it one of the fastest growing crimes in the country, which is why I urge you to check out Home Title Lock, because your home's legal title is kept online, and more and more thieves are becoming aware of this, so they'll forge your signature on your home's title, and that's it. They can legally own your home, and they'll take loans out on it. Your bank doesn't cover you, and neither does your insurance. The only way I know of to avoid this nightmare and possible eviction is with home title lock and right now you can go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim use the promo code steve while you're there to get 30 free days of protection to get you through this crisis 30 free days of protection at hometitlelock.com promo code steve hometitlelock.com promo code steve Let's get to this week's Monday Town Hall. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. And the question on the table we want to ask you this week. To mask or not to mask? How much are you willing to mask? And maybe you're fine with it completely. I don't know. But how much masking are you willing to do to get back to as much normalcy as possible. This debate was raging on social media over the weekend, and I wanted to share some of my own thoughts, and, and then I'm going to find out what you think. So, so this is kind of my position. You're going to have to demand I wear one, otherwise I'm not going to, all right? Um, I think there's actually a much better argument for making us wear gloves than masks. If you're really concerned about um, spread, it's there's much more. We, we we had Dr. Scott Atlas tell us this a week ago or a couple of weeks ago now. There, there's far more concern with touch spread than uh, respiratory. But um, to me, a private business requesting that I need to wear a mask to visit them if I want to visit them, to me, I, I don't think it's fundamentally any different than no shirt or no shoes or no service. Um, I think the fact that we're having this debate now and not in March and April, we're having it now as the country is reopening is not a coincidence. Um, I think that we've flattened the curve basically everywhere except our nursing homes. And I think this indicates that legal departments and lawyers around the country are warning business owners that they could be on the brunt end of frivolous lawsuits. Basically you infected me lawsuits. Uh, if with the masses now set to return, and I think this is one way to uh, to protect themselves from those kinds of lawsuits. I have no idea the point of a restaurant asking you to wear a mask uh, to eat there. I mean, I, I would think it would not be healthy taking it on and off the whole time. Um, it would, at, at the very least, that would seem to defeat kind of the whole purpose of wearing the mask. Now, when you talk about government requiring masks, I think that's an entirely different situation altogether um i could see a prudent provision in some cases like attending a mass event if you have a really large church if you want to have a you know a concert or a sporting event indoors i don't think there's ever a reason to wear a mask outdoors ever i don't based on all my research i don't 
but I, I, I could see a reason for doing it for now, if you wanted to do a, a, a massive indoor event, I, I could see why that could be prudent. Um, although I think a, a better strategy for herd immunity is to have people who are elderly or have uh, pre-existing conditions, have them wearing masks so that we kind of know those are the people we have to protect. But um, I, I, I could also, though, see this causing civil disobedience if it's carried too far. So, and keep this in mind, consumers, you have rights too. I mean, if you give me a choice, two businesses offering a service I want, or a product. One of them says to go there and, and, and take advantage of it. I have to wear a mask. The other one says, I don't, I'm going to go to the one that says I don't every single time, every single time. So, you know, consumers have the right of choice and businesses have, you know, uh, a, a right here to protect themselves and a right of conscience as we've established in, in other venues like bake the cake, bacon and other things, for example. So I think this is going to be a big conversation in the country in the next month or so especially until warm. I mean, it was, it was snowing, you know, out of New York on mother's day. I, I mean, we turned the heat on in our home yesterday for mother's day. Now next week, it looks like it's going to be 80 degrees and probably 80 and above for the foreseeable future. But until we start seeing those kinds of summer temps, I, I could see this being a, a big conversation around the country throughout the month of May. So where do you stand? To mask or not to mask, 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. I'm going to find out what Todd and Aaron think as well here in a moment. But let's start with the phones. Let's go to Anna in North Carolina to lead us off. Anna, welcome to the Steve Day Show. You're live on The Blaze. Go ahead. Steve, I just got to say right off the bat, you guys are the best. I've been listening to you every single day. You had it pegged from day one, and I felt the same way. I was like, this thing's been here a lot longer. If, if anything, it's over, in my opinion, not right now. I just came from my dentist. They were allowed. Today was the first day they were allowed to be open again. I walk in there, they took everything out, no chairs to sit in, you know, the waiting room. Apparently, they're spacing us out. They were wiping everything down. They changed their gloves every time. They had their mask on. Mind you, I'm a no-masker. And I went in there, and I started chatting away, and they're like, well, you got to sign this paper. Apparently, you got to sign a paper now that lists whether you have ever been exposed to anything. Like, if I went to China, if anybody I knew had it, all this, I just checked, no, no, no. And then they said, well, put this mask on. And I looked at it, I put it around my ears, and then I put it down by my neck. And that's how I wore it the rest of the time in the office. Because if anybody already takes precautions, it's the dental office. So I was able to talk in between my cleaning with my hygienist, and she was like the same way. So they're kind of learning today Mm because this is the first day they've been allowed to be open. And they're going to have to get thermometers. They're supposed to get face shields. They didn't have that. But what they had was what they always had. And no, there's been no issues, as far as they know, of anybody getting it. And you would think in a dental office, of course, you know, there's a lot being spread in there and ended up on counters. And when I was leaving, they were wiping that thing down like it was the end of the day and it was the cleaning crew. And they're going above and beyond because, like you said, the lawsuit thing. And in my opinion, they should make it where nobody can file a lawsuit because of this virus. 
The only one, the only people who should be sued, of course, is China. But the only way we're going to move forward and come back to anything resembling America is move on from this, accept it for what it is. It's a very contagious flu, but you weren't going to die from it. Thank you very much. I love you guys. Thank you, Anna. Very very appreciative of the kind words. God bless you. Take care. Any quick thoughts on Anna's phone call, her experience you know, with the dentist this morning in North Carolina? You know, I've uh, uh, towards the end of her comments there, I thought about the same thing as well. It, it just boggles the mind to me. And, and you're right. I, I've brought this up before. It boggles the mind to me that you can be sued for a virus. But we live in the day of, uh, there's a story out today about the Connecticut judge adjudicating the high school tranny uh, case out in the Northeast, uh, not allowing the defendants to refer to uh, the dudes who feel pretty as actually dudes. We're living in that era <laughs> of, uh, of judicial um, uh, cartoonism, I guess we could call it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it, it, is, it is fathomable how people would say, well, I got the virus. I don't know how you would ever prove that, but that is fathomable. So I think the idea, I don't know how it would be accomplished, but the idea of not allowing someone to be sued because of a virus, I mean... I think that's I think that's probably as good of an idea as anything. And uh, as far as here's another thing as well. Most disinfectants actually do not work until they dry on the surface that 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 you actually use them on. That's why they tell you make sure you let your hands dry after you use mm-hmm. after you use a hand sanitizer. I, I don't know if this is the case where you are watching or listening to this. Man, I, the, the people at the local grocery store have been, I mean, they've just been working their tails off. I can tell that. So I'm, this is not a slam on them whatsoever. But there's so many people going through the aisle all the time that washing off that conveyor belt, they never allow that to actually dry in the first case. That's just one anecdotal example. I'm not really sure how effective these any of these measures actually are. But at least I, I think a lot of it is just covering their butts so that they don't get sued, which is really sad. It's I think that's, really sad. I think, that's, I think but, it's 90 plus percent of it. Yeah. I do. I mean, we, we live in an era where, you know, a chick once uh, got coffee at McDonald's, spilled it on her crotch and sued him for six figures. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had no idea cigarettes were bad for me and the tobacco companies, apparently all of them, they put a gun to my head when I was in high school and made me uh, start taking drags and get addicted. And so I can sue them. I can sue gun manufacturers because I didn't know guns hurt people if used inappropriately. I mean, this is the era in which we live. And so I think I'm actually sympathetic to the business owners here to some degree, because I think this is almost entirely driven by frivolous lawsuits, which is why they weren't demanding you to wear a mask at Costco in March and April. But now that all these states are reopening, that's why they're doing it now. It's all legal, I believe, or at least 90% of it. And in the process, though, see, we're being conditioned. There's a statistic I saw regarding all this that it it takes roughly... I, I may have the number wrong, but 60 days or something for like, and you may have said this something, even with diet, like to make something ingrained in you, a pattern of behavior. It's six weeks to, to okay. embed a new okay. thought process in the subconscious. Well, that's yeah. what we were, my wife and I, every Monday morning, we go as early as possible. Uh, uh, I go to the grocery store uh, with her and we've noticed that, and this is an excerpt. So we're not prone to being immediately crazy out there, but there was like, we were the only people in that grocery store without a mask on uh this morning and it's just it it, how we are being programmed 
beyond what we think we are controlling and just kind of getting into the slipstream of stuff, that's what I'm uh, really concerned about. I think about that's the source forward. of all of the. I think that's the source of, of the vast majority of the resistance we're going to get from our audience to this. Yeah. It's the it's dad. What you just said. Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the dad and await further instructions. That's that's yeah. basically the resistance. Yeah. Because then, if those people are just pliable, and we're back to where Aaron said with this judge who you know is putting his not only his thumb but his elbow and his knee on the scales within that courtroom. Once we get back out into public. And if it's everybody is just showing up with masks and then the one guy like in the Seidfeld episode, who who is not wearing the ribbon and you're you're everybody is else is wearing a mask and you're just standing there and you're going to have to decide whether to fight or not. And all those lemmings in the middle have decided by default they don't really want to fight about it, but they've decided what fight uh, what side they're on. It's going to be interesting times. We're, we're, we're in a pro, we're we're in a no man's land where. We need government to do certain things and tell us certain things and acquire certain uh, certain uh, certain streams of information we cannot acquire on our own, right? But at the same time, we don't trust them to give exactly. us that information and then tell us what's prudent to do with it once they have it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the whole ballgame. Like I, like, I think there would have been, uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, there would have been some defiance to wearing a mask, but I mean... Or let's go back to the Spanish flu. I mean, did you see all the, they're, they're now going back to sporting events during that time. And what you see is the stands are full and everybody's wearing a mask. There, were, there wouldn't have been the, 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 the immediate distrust of government. And the, and, and the assumption would have been if government says I should do this, it's just temporary. Because if they try to force this on me, I've got a stack of rifles back at my home later on when it's obvious it doesn't have to be. It's not helping me anymore, but you're just you're just a tyrant. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the, the balance was different than it is now. And it's totally out of whack now. And so now it's like, I, I, a lot of people, are, I think are, when we are gonna, we're going to talk to them, we're going to feel like, I'd almost just rather take my life into my own hands than entrust it to you, even if your information might even be good. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Grant. Who is down there where they are letting freedom ring uh, in the uh, the great state of Georgia, uh, which is on my mind right now. How are you, Grant? Doing well, Steve. I just want to first thank you for the opportunity here and thank you all for all the hard work you've been doing. Um, just real quickly, went to see my grandmother yesterday for Mother's Day, and she's been cooped up for probably about two months now. And I went over there and saw her, and she's immediately ran over to me and gave me a hug. And she's 87. Uh, and she basically just said, she lived through the Great Depression. She raised six kids and took the three jobs to pay house payment at $38 a month. And she was tired of just being two dollars inside. She, she basically said she wasn't really even living at this point. <laughs> Excuse me. And so she said that she just wanted to hug her kids and see them and play outside on uh, Mother's Day. And mm. she said, you know, masks be damned pretty much. Um, and just Corona be damned. She's just going to live her life. And when the Lord decides to take her, that's when he'll, that's when he'll do it. But she'll live as uh, she's spent. So that made me real happy to see. Um, and I've just been real proud, too, of real quick for Brian Kemp and for my sheriff, Frank Reynolds. He's, from the very beginning, said he's not going to force any stay-at-home orders, not going to ask for papers or anything of that nature. Um, but the re- only real disappointment I've seen has been with my my pastor. Uh, but to Bob's point earlier, I think that the number one place that should be open is our local churches. We're supposed to be a light to our communities and our church has just basically said they're not going to open up till June. Um, and so I think as of yesterday, 
<laughs> me and my family basically decided we're going to leave our church after 10 years. One, because of the way they've handled this coronavirus. And two, just with the SBC, they've been having a lot of issues with uh, critical race theory and intersectionality. And hmm. basically the whole sermon on Mother's Day yesterday was about uh, being fearful and uh, how we're all a bunch of racists. Um, so I think it's... I think it's ridiculous. I think we are responsible for our own safety and uh, the place that people need. We have 30 million people, 30 million people unemployed. Um, and the place that people need to come to most is the church for hope. And uh, I think it's just a shame that they're just cowering in fear um, and staying closed. Phenomenal insight there. Thank you very much, uh, Grant. God bless you. Take care. I mean, you've even provided the analysis of your own insight. We don't even have anything to add. That was just very, very well done. Very well done. Let's go to Ty next in South Carolina. Ty, welcome to the Steve Day Show on The Blaze. Go ahead, sir. Thank you guys for being the shining light on the hill that nobody seems to be paying attention to. Um, so I've got a couple of things. I want to make it real quick and concise for you. But um, I come from a wife. I have a wife that's been in the medical field for 20 years as a nurse. And my two best friends are doctors. One's a cardiologist. One's an interventional radiologist. And... The big piece is for the mask to actually work. I'm a no masker. Neither is my wife. Uh, for the mask to actually work, everyone has to wear it because the masks that people are wearing other than the N95 mask are designed to, if I'm wearing a mask, it's designed to prevent me from infecting you. If I'm sick, it's designed to prevent me from coughing, sneezing, keeping whatever germs I got and infecting somebody around me. Mm -hmm. It is not designed to prevent you from you wearing a mask out in public doesn't keep you from getting sick if you're not sick. That's the problem. All these dummies are being told by the media and by whoever, hey, you got to wear a mask. You got to wear gloves. You got to wear. No, no, no. The gloves actually, I don't know. I don't I, look the doctor you got the information from. All the doctors I know completely disagree. The gloves carry uh, disease much further than if you have it on your hands and can just wash your hands. Um, they're adamantly against wearing gloves in public and wearing the mask in public because it's not doing anybody any good. You know, you got companies like Costco. So my second point would be, uh, first point is masks are useless unless everybody's wearing them. So that's never going to happen. We're not China. Second piece of that puzzle is if you got a company like Costco saying, hey, no shirt, no shoes, no service, no mask, no service. When does the government start mandating you got to have your vaccine before anybody's going to serve you? Where's the vaccine card? You got your vaccine card before you come into Costco? Let's see your vaccine card. Okay, great. You can come in. Um, I, I, if a business tells me I got to wear a mask, I'm not going in. I don't care what business it is. I, I just don't care. If, it's, if every restaurant in the country says you've got to wear a mask to eat here, I'm not eating out anymore. And I love to eat out. But I just went to a restaurant for the first time in South Carolina over the weekend for my wife's birthday. It was a miserable experience because my server standing at the table with a mask and gloves on. Do you know how unappetizing it is to try to eat a dinner when you feel like you're you feel like you're in a hospital ward? It's like, what are you, what are you doing? It's 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 absolutely insane. I think this is going to really hurt a lot of businesses more than it's going to help them. And I think you're going to see the government try to push this vaccine thing to the edge because they want to force everybody into a vaccine. And this mask thing is the way of just kind of, let's grease the wheels. If we can get them all to wear a mask, we can get them all to get a vaccine. So no vaccine and no mask for me and my family. And if it means we're an outlier, then I guess we're an outlier. Really appreciate you guys doing a fantastic job. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Ty. 
you can agree or disagree with what he had to say there in South Carolina. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Let's go to Idaho next. Randy, welcome to the Steve Day Show. What do you think? Hi, Steve. Thanks for show here. Um, I was originally for the masks. I have heart disease and lung problems, so I was quite scared about it. My wife works at the cashier in a grocery store. Um, they were wearing masks to begin with, but then they had problems with the, the masks and the gloves, so they decided to take them off. Um, she works all day, works, you know, touches thousands of products a day, um, has, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people that go through her lines every day. And then she comes home, she, you know, showered, took her, you know, clothes off, showered, um, made sure she was disinfected before she would, you know, associate with me because of my problems. Um, as that's gone on, you know, it's, we saw the ridiculousness now that it's not happening. Um, if anybody would be sick, would be people in the grocery stores that are on the front line of people touching stuff, thousands of products every day, and they're not getting sick. So it kind of makes you wonder what this is really truly about. Hmm. I think a lot of people are wondering that. And uh, thank you for the phone call uh, there, Randy, in Idaho. That's why the reason why Sweden was so bullied and to go along with lockdown with everybody else isn't because everybody else was concerned about Sweden's people. It's because they knew they were doing this on unreliable data. And they had made, all of them had made the conscious, you have to understand the way politics works, folks. Ultimately, most things are done the way they're done in politics to avoid accountability. To avoid, certain bills are not brought up so that people don't have to risk going on the record about them. Much of what is done in politics is done when it's not done to... Uh, for money is to avoid accountability. That's why you've seen a great growth in NGOs and NGAs in the last decade or two. All right. We have these non-governmental organizations, agencies, they, 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 the administrative state, and they make all these decisions. You don't vote for them. And that way the politicians can pass the blame and say, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. The FDA did that. I didn't do it. You know? And so when Sweden went, zigged when the rest of the West zagged. That meant they were not going to be able to avoid accountability. If, if, if the whole, if all of the industrialized world did the exact same policy, except for what's going on in Asia, but that's, that is literally a half a planet away. And most Americans have no idea what goes on in Japan or Taiwan or South Korea. So we're talking about the West. If everybody in the West had done a lockdown, all the same, that meant that we would never really know. We'd still have the data that we have now. But every argument that I have pointed out and people like me have made in the last two months, they'd all be theoretical. And you could easily, you could easily brush us aside with, you may even be right, but we can't take that chance. What if you're not, right? You know what I'm saying? Sure. We can't take the chance that you're not. Because people will die. Our hospitals will be overrun. 
So we have to see this through. When, when Sweden decided, screw that noise. We're, we're going to actually follow science, not your narrative. That's why they were mad. Now, they had no idea if it was going to work there or not either. But they, but they understood what would happen if it did. If Sweden did not collapse, it was going to then provide a practical example that now, just like a la the lack of practical examples feeds the lockdown argument, the existence of a practical example feeds my argument. This is why they went so hard after Brian Kemp. Same exact thing. If he's successful, or Ron DeSantis to a lesser degree, they did this to my governor, Kim Reynolds. The IHME model basically said she was going to unleash cholera in Iowa if she reopened. And then suddenly after she reopened, they're like, well, maybe 300 deaths by August. Because they're not modeling, they're lobbying. So when, you know, Kemp wasn't the only one, he just became the poster child for this. But when Kemp, DeSantis, and a few of these other governors did not go all, along, go all in with this, same thing. Your governor now can't escape accountability. Because you're sitting there in a state like Idaho, far less densely populated than Georgia. And you have to ask yourself, if it's safe to go to a restaurant in Savannah, Georgia, Athens, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, why isn't it safe to go to a restaurant? I was just in Idaho a couple summers ago. It's pretty remote. Why, why, why isn't it safe to go to a restaurant, go out to eat in Moscow, Idaho? Why isn't it? Everything's always about avoiding accountability so that the system can sustain itself. That's why it hates outliers. That's why when outliers come in and they don't want to perpetuate the process, they're called selfish or they're attacked so heavily. It's not about their ideology. It's about the fact it's their lack of conformity. Well, now we've got all these practical examples that show this is BS. And now the system is stuck. And so what's happening now is what, what can we get you to do? And it may even be prudent. I've seen lots of conflicting information about masking for the public. There's not nearly the conformity of, 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 of contrarian thought on this that there was on the models from the beginning. I've seen lots of people on both sides of this whose opinions I respect based on my research. But see, now we can't trust, though, that the argument is really about public policy. Or is it about what can you impose on me? You know, I'm wearing my live free or die today. What can you impose on me so that you, Mr. Mr. or Mrs. Politician, can get your win? So that you can, you can exert one last ounce of, of, of authoritarianism over me and say, okay, this is, the, this is the toll you must pay to get back on the freedom road. You have to pay this toll. Wear a mask. Well, is it prudent or is it just your power? Which is it? And we don't know. We don't know the answer to that. And, that, that, and, 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 and that's why the debate has devolved here because the larger lockdown narrative has collapsed. And so the system needs to save face. And so the two ways it's trying to save face is just racking them and stacking the bodies now. We're racking them and stacking them. 
like Tiger Woods in the back nine at Augusta 15 years ago, just racking and stacking birdies. They're just racking and stacking nursing home bodies now to get to their magic number. The other thing they're, they're, they're trying to do is what can we impose on you so that you still think we saved you? Now, that doesn't mean the masks are automatically bad either. I want to make sure we don't make the same mistake with this we do with the virus day one. We told you day one, hey, just because you don't trust government doesn't mean don't take the pandemic seriously. Walk and chew gum at the same time. Now, I'm not going to mask unless you compel me. But I'm not entirely sure. I'm not as sure that it's wrong to compel me on this across the board as I am as I am as sure on some other things. It could be as wrong. I just haven't I haven't gotten myself to a place of informational certainty yet where I have a reason to say that this is this is there's no point to it other than defiance. Now, when we're talking authoritarianism, defiance is a pretty good reason. But this this is why we're so paralyzed here. They could admit they were wrong. And they could even say we won't apologize for for going too far and saving lives. But now that it's clear we're okay, back to normal, they could do that. And that's why if, if a Brian Kemp asks you to wear a mask, you might think a lot differently about it than say if a Gretchen Whitmer does or a Gavin Newsom does. We'll come back with more here in a moment. All right, be honest. Since the lockdowns started, how about those weight loss and fitness goals for 2020? Have they fallen by the wayside? Well, now that the warmer weather is here and the calendar has turned to May, let's make it the new January shall we? And get back on track with your goals. Dr. Developed Riduzone can help. It's an excellent way to curb cravings for the fattening foods that derail your diet, backed by two U.S. patents. Riduzone is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA. That's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you to feel full faster while burning stored fat so that you can reduce your caloric intake. So take it from the FDA. Well, maybe maybe right, right about now, we're not sure that that's the greatest endorsement so go with reduzone's endorsement all right make it easy to resist those cravings to make it so hard that make it so much harder to lose your weight reduzone uh you can only get it though on their website reduzone.com r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e for reduzone.com use promo code steve to save up to 65 percent off of your order and free shipping up to 65 percent off your order plus free shipping at reduzone.com promo code steve uh, real quick, the, the the panic porn going around here in the last half hour, Anthony Fauci says we can't play football this fall. It's the perfect situation to spread the virus. That's the breathless headline you're seeing streamed about. Again, this is this is this is what we mean by panic panic porn. Here's the here's his quote in the actual interview. Quote. If you really want to be in a situation where you want to be absolutely certain, you test all the players before the game and you say those who are infected, sorry, you're sidelined. Those who are free, get in there and play. Uh, no bleep, uh, Sherlock Holmes. No poop. I mean, does, does that now? Does that quote match up with the breathless panic porn headlines going all over Twitter at the moment? No, no, no. I mean, that, that, it, it, and do you think we need an Anthony Fauci to tell us this? 
A lot of people do. Yeah, we're going to test everybody before we go out there and play. Before we go out there and 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 wrestle with each other and get all over each other and sweat all over each other and uh, and and dispense the virus out of your system all over each other, we're going to test to make sure you don't have it. Did we really need to? Did, did we really need to be assured of doing this? Well, that's why we're talking about the masks. I mean, you and I don't. So that again, that's I have my, plenty of my own issues with Anthony Fauci, but but. He did not tell you you couldn't play football this fall. This is all panic porn. It's not it's not what he said. It's not what he said. That's may, that may be what the headline said that he said, but it's not what he said. Let's go back to the phones. To mask or not to mask. Let's go to John in Arizona. John, welcome to the Steve Day Show. You're live on the Blaze, sir. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing, guys? You guys are great. I dig it. I've been a professional chef for 28 years. The idea of the fact that someone is making your food jumping in a dirty car and then delivering it to you as opposed to if you had a problem with my food, I can come out of the kitchen and talk to you is absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. I mean, completely and totally absurd. You're going to have this chain of command when it comes to food. I can walk out of my kitchen. I don't... and talk to you. I can sit down and be with you. You know it. it, it you know who I am now. Mm-hmm. So th- it makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely no sense. None. So it just it it frustrates me. I don't want a stimulus check. I don't want an unemployment check. I want to go back to work. I want. That's what I want. So it just it it just frustrates it. It's so frustrating that we have this whole fear mentality, but yet I'm, I'm going to trust some Uber driver to bring me my food. Are you kidding me? When you could ask me out of the kitchen, hey, you know what? Let me talk to Chef John. Okay, Chef John comes out. Uh, uh, there's something wrong with my food now. Oh, okay. Well, then let's fix it. So, you know, it's just it, it just boggles my mind. It really does, you guys. It really does. It frustrates the absolute living hell out of me. Don't. That you know what? I can't do what God put me on this earth for. And it just but you know what? You can drive a car and deliver your food. Are you kidding me? How many people how many other people have touched everything that you're doing? I know. I, I made your food. I know. So it's just yeah, so it just, it, it just, it, and I, I, like I said, I don't want a stimulus check. I don't want unemployment. I haven't filed for unemployment. I won't file for unemployment. It's not going to happen. So, it, and to actually sit there and be that stupid and naive about your food is just, I mean, it's epic. It is. It's epic. So... I don't know about you guys, but like I told you, if you guys ever come to Tucson, I will cook for you. I appreciate it, brother. God bless you. And uh, you are pointing out a lot of these fallacies here. You know, why why it is assumed if I wanted to get flowers for my mom this weekend, it's assumed that I can social distance at the at the at, at Walmart or the mega grocery store that has a floral section, it assumes I can social distance there, but I I can't social distance at the local florist. 
I, I can social distance at Menards and Lowe's and Walmart, but I, I can't social distance at a local retailer. It, this never made any sense from the very beginning. It never did. I mean, I, I used to be, I don't know about you guys, I used to be a real stickler at restaurants. Hey, that's not what I order. It's not how I wanted it cooked. And then I saw years ago a movie called, I think it's called Road Trip, where these uh, the, the, these college kids uh, go on this road trip with their buddy. Do you remember this movie? I and remember they, and they order some, they, they, I didn't see they it. They ordered some French toast at a restaurant. And and it didn't have the powdered sugar where he wanted it, and he sent it back. And the and the chef in the back of the restaurant was all ticked off and like licked the French toast and put it on his armpits and then put it on the plate. He said, "Hey, that's what you wanted, right?" And the guy and the kid was like, "Yeah, yeah," and ate it. I have not sent a dish back since I saw that movie. It was over <laughs> twenty years ago. <laughs> all right, but the the I bring that up because the point John made there. How do you know? While you're doing Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub around the country, they're not hawking loogies and everything else. You don't know that. Who's? Are you sure they disinfected that car? So if, when they're done with their shift, you sure they disinfected that car? Who else was in that car the rest of the time when they're not doing their shifts? I mean, I'm sure most of them are diligent, but are you really sure? We're talking about contact tracing. What are you more able to contact trace? As John pointed out. I can actually see the people making my food and serving it to me and what their behavior is as opposed to somebody faceless. And now they want to do it curbside where they just drop it off. So you don't even interact with the person. You know what I'm saying? When they drop it off on your door, none of this has made any sense in the beginning. Unless you're just looking for reasons to virtue signal. Yes. And, and you give them, you give them grace with the initial effort to not overrun the healthcare system. Right. And they're trying to figure out, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. They're trying to figure out how do we do that while not just losing every aspect of our way of life at the same time. And so we're, we're making this up in real time as we go along and it's kind of backwards and we're doing this and, and it's kind of all over the place, but we're, you know, we're, this isn't a paint by number situation here. Okay, fine. Um, okay. We can have that conversation on March 17th, March 25th. Why are we having that conversation anywhere in America on May 11th? And they know this. They know their narrative is collapsing. That's why you've got the governor of Pennsylvania saying today that uh, he's not going, he, he's going to threaten counties that won't enforce his draconian dumbassery lockdowns with licensing and state funding. Because in the end, People are now trying to get their win. If we all just called BS on this and all just went out and about, they couldn't get their win. The state has to get its win. And it's counting on those of you who are fine with being sheeple to give it to them. Now, the problem we have with that, though, is unfortunately... We don't have, most of us don't have our own medical research outfits. Most of us aren't married or, or to somebody in the healthcare sector or, or working in it ourselves. And so when we have a situation with, is it Australia that's claiming that 
the number one reason they're able to open up is they just did masks from the beginning and that cut down on the on the spread of this and so back to normal as i think i read that was australia was it australia that said that not sure all right um where do we get our information when we need information we can't get we have this problem with everything really anytime we ask government to get involved even in the stuff we needed involved how do i know that i can trust that information so todd and aaron how are you guys handling the mask debate well, I'm just going to say uh, any government regulation, uh, I'm not going to pay attention to businesses I will try to avoid. But ones like Costco, I'm just going to say I've got asthma. I can't wear a mask. Let me in. Which is true. It's exercise-induced asthma. But I've still got asthma. I, I just, I'm not. So I, I had asthma. I've got exercise-induced asthma. I still use an inhaler. Can I, I, can still I play that too. game? Yeah. Okay. No, that's what I'm going to do next time I go into Costco. That's basically where it starts and stops for me. Mother's Day this weekend, I had to get something. It wasn't at one store. The stores had required masks. I put the mask on. I got in. I got out. But broadly, systemically, uh, this is dumb. It was more than a month ago when I brought up the virtue signaling on radio of, you know, absolutely, you're going to kill the old people if you go outside. Be responsible, social distance while they're doing the radio things for free, advertising restaurants that need your business. Go there, go there. You have no idea where the people who have been working there making your food have been. The double mindedness on this is not unique to coronavirus. And that's the key thing. This is politics in general. This is the media in general. This is medicine in general. And here's what you need to get through your head, is that the sheeple thing, for so long, you keep... It's why during uh, the debates, what we're debating what was the number one issue in at least half of the debates that they spent time on? Healthcare again. After we passed Obamacare, because they keep having you, you're part of this grander psychological experiment. And all of you out there think on matters concerning healthcare, especially that Thanos has all the stones, and you mu you must b bend the knee. You don't have to bend the knee. When he snaps, he doesn't really have the stones. Stop acting like he does on this stuff. Take your life back. Take your country back. Let's see, Australia, if they're the ones who did this, let's see. When it's winter and this flu thing, uh, this uh, coronavirus thing is flying through uh, America in the Northern Hemisphere, what is it in Australia? Kids? Summer! Summer. Yeah, I'm they're... so sick of this. This is dumb. If, and, and regarding football and Fauci, you're not wrong about that, but I swear to God, if football is so important to any of you that the NFL says, we're going to go forward even with fans, but you, fans have to wear your mask, if there's full stadiums this fall and everybody is wearing masks, you may as well all take a bend the knee and not sing the national anthem because you are clearly then totally part and parcel about this psychological experiment we are part of. Don't you dare do it. Not football, not anything. Is this important to be, be manipulated constantly like that? That's the ultimate win. If they got you like that, they got you forever. I don't think there's ever a need to wear a mask outside. I don't. And there's been over 300 studies of, of uh, transmission of, of SARS-2 novel coronavirus. 
and none of them have expressed any concern about outdoor transmission whatsoever. I saw somebody I used to, I, I like, and I used to work with him at Salem, Hugh Hewitt, writing a column last week. Yeah. Cyclists wear masks. You know how That's this ends. just stupidity. I'm sorry. If you, if you know Hugh, I, I know him. I know he's smart. He, I know he's smarter than that. That's just dumb. Not to mention it's not healthy to have, have people out there exercising at that rate with masks anyway. Okay. There's a story in, in in late April, I believe it was out of New Jersey, about a guy wearing an N95 in his car, passing out due to asphyxiation, I think it was, or uh, whatever, whatever the lack of oxygen is, mm-hmm. and crashing his car because he didn't have enough oxygen. Now, uh, think about doing that on your bike, exerting yourself in the hot summer. That's great idea. Great idea. All right. Really good calls here. I mean, we had over three hundreds and hundreds of replies about this I had on my Facebook page over the weekend. A lot of them pretty much summarizing everything we've heard. So final thoughts today, gentlemen, on everything that uh, that we have discussed. Aaron, I'll start with you. Well, I think the name of the game, again, and we've been preaching this ever since the, the very beginning, you just can't, you can't make decisions based out of fear. That's... That's the whole basis for why we're here. Now, making decisions based on fear is not the same, or not making decisions based on fear is not, you know, throwing, not the same as throwing caution to the wind, as we've also been preaching all of the time. And this is another one of those conversations about to mask or not to mask. Because largely, what is this conversation centered around? Not the efficacy of masks. What is it centered around? Whether or not you're willing to actually give in, kowtow to guidelines. Because as you noted before, there's tons of tons of uh, conflicting messages about the efficacy of my guys. I'm just going to tell you the homemade DIY cloth masks don't do jack squat. They just don't. So there's no science. We're not debating the science of masks. That's not what we've been doing the last hour, is it? No, it's not. It's whether or not this is actually the psychological experiment that Todd just mentioned. Is it or is it not? If it is, uh, we heard from a lot of callers who say, uh, I'm not going along with that. I know I'm not. And I know most of us uh, are probably not either. So, again, take heart that the conversation has shifted to how long do we stay locked down to, Mm -hmm. you know, when we go to the store, should we wear a mask or not? That's a good thing compared to where we were two months ago. Right on the money. Agreed. This is this is the debate we actually want to have is this one. This is a more favorable debate. Yep. Todd, you have any quick thoughts? Well, the sorting hat, to quote the Harry Potter movies, is a real thing. When you get back to normal, it's not going to be normal. You got to be ready for it. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. BlazeTV.com slash Dace if you want to become a subscriber. If you're already one, just stay tuned. It'll be up there for you later today. For the rest of you, back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.